Bridge Bank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQED Public Radio, this is Political Breakdown. I'm Marisa Lagos. And I'm Scott Schaefer. And today on The Breakdown, well, we were supposed to interview the guy who calls himself the Sage of South Central, Los Angeles talk show host Larry Elder. He surged to the top of candidates running to replace Gavin Newsom if the governor is recalled, raising huge amounts of money, mostly through small donations from his vast number of social media followers. But... He canceled. He canceled. Uh, Again. Again. Second week in a row. This time about a minute before we were scheduled to tape with him. So we will not be talking to the lawyer, libertarian, leaning Republican. He is a provocative talk show host. And we we were really excited to ask him a lot of questions about his platform because we haven't heard a lot. He's... Dodged the debate stage as well, and uh, so far mostly appearing on more more friendly conservative talk radio, I would say. So, pinch hitting, because we needed a show, and All-star there's a lot hitters. to talk about. Carla Marinucci, senior writer at Politico California's Playbook. Carla, thank you for being here on short notice. <laughs> Very short notice. Well, always good to be with you guys. Thanks so much. And our own Katie Orr calling in from Sacramento, where she's still got a hangover from the last recall debate. Katie, <laughs> thanks for being here, too. Hi, y'all. Hey. Um, so let's start with Carla because she actually had a big story out today. I'm not going to make assumptions, but it could have something to do with why Larry Elder didn't want to come on the Maybe show. So. Um, this was a story uh, detailing um, a little bit about Elder's ex fiance who claims he brandished a gun at her and was generally, I mean, I, mean, I don't know if she used the word abusive, Carla, but tell us how this, like, tell us about this story and then we can talk a little bit about how it came to be. Yeah, our, our story today details how uh, Alexandra Daytig, who was uh, Larry's longtime radio producer in Los Angeles, who was his former fiance, uh, who broke off uh, an 18 month engagement with him, uh, told us of sort of a litany of, uh, of concerns that she had during her uh, a very sort of explosive relationship with him in which, uh, you know, he waved a gun at her while he was high on pot, uh, among other things. He uh, repeatedly demanded she get a Larry's girl tattoo to kind of show her devotion to him. Uh, She talked about uh, their meeting at the Playboy Mansion uh, parties back in the wild days of the Hugh Hefner estate. Uh, Just uh, we, we got from her a lot of background on Larry Elder. I mean, in part because as a major gubernatorial candidate, um, and, and I've been covering this a long time, I think we really don't know a lot about Larry Elder's personal life. Um, we know a lot about what he says as a talk show host, and he's been doing that for 20 years. But in terms of 
as somebody who uh, is a, is a, is constantly talking about you know family values and 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 personal values and conservative values, we don't know a lot about his yeah. family or who he is or his private life. And I think that's where sort of my investigation started. Too. Yeah, and we would have given him a chance today to fill in some of those blanks, but he, uh, as we said, canceled at the very last minute for the second week in a row. He did that last week as well. He's also ducking. Uh, candidate debates. He's uh, turned down the debate, uh, the two that have happened already, including one this week up in Sacramento, which Katie covered for us. There's another one tonight, uh, I think in San Francisco on KRON. He's not going to be at that. Uh, and I assume he, he didn't respond to your request for comment about your story, Carla? Uh, that's right. I mean, you said he canceled on you guys at KQED twice. He has also canceled two interviews with us at Politico. We had repeated requests for comments with regard to this story. Um, he's, he re- just declined or did not answer any of those requests. And, uh, you know, he was on another conservative radio station today and also did not address this story. So we haven't heard any response from Larry Elder with regard to the rather explosive um, accusations that Alexandra Daychig made in our story today. Well, and Katie, I mean, you've been covering politics for a minute here as well. It's not unusual that a front runner might not want to debate, you know, kind of being seen as like part of the 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 mess of candidates. But what do you make of this? I mean, do you why would you think that his campaign might want to be ducking interviews. I mean, maybe it's just tough questions. I don't know. This guy, I mean, this guy made his entire career off of like sort of relishing debate in the public forum. Right. But I think it's to Carla's point, um, you know, we have we have only seen a very controlled version of Larry Elder. What he says on his on his shows, what he writes in his essays, you know, views that he wants people to know. We don't know a lot about him uh Personally, I mean, think about, you know, everything we know about some of the other candidates running. A lot of them, you know, look at Gavin Newsom. There are <laughs> reams and reams of stuff written on his on his personal life, you know, however you feel about his political beliefs. Um, Kevin Faulkner talks a lot about his family and, uh, you know, the other candidates do as well. John Cox mentions his wife and, and daughter and, you know, so, but we don't know any of that about Larry Elder and you just have to wonder, why? Yeah. What What doesn't he want us to know well, about him? Well, clearly there's a whole trove of things he has said over the last several decades, some of which are now coming to light. And uh, one that uh, Kevin Faulkner highlighted Tuesday, Katie, at the debate you covered up in Sacramento was this comment, comments he's made about women, very disparaging, uh, about pregnant women in the workplace and men being smarter than women and more informed on issues. And Faulkner kind of walked, stepped into the void and used the moment and his Uh, Elder's absence to really go after him. Yeah, he really did. He cited um, an article that Elder had written in 2000. In that article, Elder cited a study that that um, showed women, for whatever reason, like retained less knowledge or knew less about um, politics than men. Now, you know, I don't have any idea. Yeah, about what that what that study entailed, or, you know, the parameters of that study. But Elder sort of used that as a jumping off point for this essay saying basically that like, women are easily manipulated. And um, how do um, how should the Republicans deal with that to get them to, you know, vote for them uh, more often. Uh, And and Kevin Faulkner, you know, cited some of his uh, passages on stage and then followed that up by saying that's 
BS, although he used the full term. Um, and it, it's so interesting because Carla, it really plays into your story coming out today because you could see that clearly Faulkner was trying to go after, you know, the quote unquote women vote, right? Um, by bringing this point up, which really wasn't in context of anything else that we had been talking about in that debate. And then we see your story today. And so it's all of a sudden, in the space of a week, Larry Elder has potentially has a, a, a woman problem, a woman voter problem. Yeah, in, Carla, yeah, get, I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Because I mean, what he said in that article is he was citing some research about that women, you know, according to this academic research, maybe were less informed about some policy areas, although the authors have since said, yeah, but they're bringing other elements of their experience into the voting booth to make these decisions. But the other part that I actually really was excited to talk to him about was his you know, comments around the same issue or, or in the same article about the issue of, you know, that venture capitalists should absolutely be able to inquire about women's family plans, um, basically suggesting that moms aren't as dedicated or productive at their work. I, I, I mean, do you yes. think that this is going to cut into his base or does it matter? Because the people who may be supporting him are probably pretty familiar with some of these viewpoints. I mean, Elder's basically saying, well, you know, I'm not sure why it's the government's business to intrude on, you know, whether a venture capitalist wants to ask a female about whether she intends to have children or not. This issue uh, has riled Republican women as well. Elise Stefanik in New York has gotten all over this issue and said people have no right to ask women whether they're having children or not. Several people on the social media have said, well, does that give a, a boss the right to ask if you're vaccinated or not, or whether if you're a male, if you've had a vasectomy or not? I or mean, if men have families. I mean, th yes, also, this is like such a, I mean, I got to say, like sexist trope to assume that just the woman is the one who's going to be impacted in her work by something outside of her work. I mean, I, I just don't understand that. Yeah, I have very, very important point, uh, Marisa. I think this is where it all comes down to when, it, when you talk about Elder and, and, and the woman vote. Um, I think some of his comments, I think he may have been um, mischaracterizing uh, Kathleen Hall Jameson at the Annenberg Institute uh, with regard to her study. I think, you know, my, my original um, reporting on Larry Elder's uh, ex-fiance came about because I realized we didn't know a lot about his family background, and I just Googled Larry Elder and wife. And, um, <laughs> Don't give away all our reporting secrets, Carla. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and came up with um, Alexandra's name. Um, but there's been a couple of women who've been, you know, um, uh, put on the Internet listed as Larry Elder's wife. And so that sort of started me down the rabbit hole of trying to look look into this story. Um, and, and, and I think Alexandra Daytig, you know, does raise concerns. And I think some of the stuff that, that she has talked about may shock some of his conservative followers. Yeah. Well, although Trump's, you know, picadillos yeah. or whatever, harassment, whatever well, you want to well, call it, that but, didn't but, seem but, to bother Republicans. But, you know, a yeah. couple things. One, you think back to Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know, a lot of people didn't know much about him. They wondered about his chops when it came to policy and government and so on. But at least he was willing to be interviewed. He did a, several debates, uh, which in in a way helped him win over voters and uh, convince people that maybe he would be better than Gray Davis. I think th with this recall, the, the problem with this dynamic is you don't need to get 50 plus one to become governor. You just, you know, need the recall to get 50 percent plus one. And and it's I think it's like a disincentive for these candidates to come and talk to other voters. They're just going after, it seems, the Republican base. I, I think there's two departures, um, a couple of departures with Larry Elder. As you mentioned, Scott, is, is refusal to do debates, which Schwarzenegger did. 
Uh, but, but recently he has cut the Sacramento Bee out entirely uh, from his campaign, saying he will not, his campaign will not communicate with any photographer, reporter, editor from a major newspaper in California. We have never seen that before in California either. The fact that he won't talk to you, a major radio station, or Politico, a major reporting group here in California, is, I think, another. I think it was significant today that uh, with regard to my story and reaction to my story uh, about Alexander Dejic today, that Orrin Heatley, who founded the Republican recall, who's like a very conservative, let, let us be quite honest, uh, uh, source, uh, has, has basically vouched for our story today on the internet, saying that he believes my reporting to be credible um, and, and, and definitely something to, for re, uh, Republican voters to consider. And I thought that was uh, a very interesting tweet. And there's me. no shortage of candidates out there, right? Um, Katie, you want to jump in real quick? Well, I just I just think I, I can hear people, you know, you always get that line. Well, who cares? It's his personal life. It doesn't have anything to do. But it's telling, right? Because if he if if Larry, if Governor Gavin Newsom is recalled and and Larry Elder is the top vote getter, this sets a precedent. He was elected governor of California without engaging the media. In his mind, that might mean he doesn't have to engage the media going forward on big decisions, you know, that COVID will still be an issue. Wildfires will still be an issue. Uh, you know, the budget, schools, all of that. The The press deserves to know what is going on in the mind of the state's governor, not to mention not just any state. California is massive. Decisions made in California can inter it can impact the entire world. And to not know a lot about the person running the state is problematic. Well, and we should say, I mean, when we say the media, we're not just over here like whining because we care about ourselves. I mean, we are a stand in for the public. We get to ask these questions because all 40 million Californians can't. And I think that, you know, and again, it's not just the media. I mean, he's not answering questions from Republicans who are challenging him and others. So anyway, we are going to take a short break now. um, And after the break, we're going to talk more broadly about this recall. Sure, still about Larry Elder, but let's talk about the other candidates, too, some of whom are coming on political breakdown or have already. Thank you so much to Carlo Manucci and Katie Orr for being here. We're going to keep talking with them in just a second. You're listening to Political Breakdown from KQED Public Radio. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. You get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night. Knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. 
Welcome back to Political Breakdown. I'm Marisa Lagos here with Scott Schaefer. We are chatting with Carla Marinucci. She's senior political writer for Politico California's Playbook and Katie Orr, our politics and government reporter stationed in Sacramento. Uh, We were supposed to be talking with gubernatorial candidate Larry Elder, but he canceled at the last minute. So we have this all-star team of reporters filling in. Katie, I want to talk about something, uh, sort of broaden this out to talk about something we're all still living through, which is this pandemic. Um, We heard of very different message at the debate Tuesday night in Sacramento from the Republican candidates than we've been hearing from Gavin Newsom and other Democrats, which is, well, you tell us. How, how are these, <laughs> how is the Republican field kind of framing the, the COVID-19 discussion? Well, it's interesting because all three candidates who were taking part in the debate, uh, former mayor, uh, San Diego Mayor Kevin Faulkner, Assemblyman uh, Kevin Kiley, and businessman John Cox, who also ran against and lost to Gavin Newsom in 2018, All three of them said they and their families had been vaccinated, but they don't think that a statewide vaccine mandate is the way to go. Um, Cox actually said he thinks mandates are counter to what America stands for. So Cox and Faulkner were really pushing um, for like local control in terms of of mandates and mask mandates. Kylie had said that he actually thinks if he were to be elected governor, he would roll back the state of emergency, which would not allow local um, governments to impose mandates on their own. So he's not sure that they even could, but definitely a lot less state involvement, mm-hmm. more uh, more local input, which is typically the way, you know, Republicans, you know, they like the local local control versus top down government. Um, but it's been a little bit of a mixed bag because of like schools and stuff here. Uh, for instance, Kylie has said that Newsom hasn't done enough on schools, which seems to go against the whole local control. Uh, but that was generally where they were going. Well, and we're seeing, excuse me, we're seeing in other states, uh, Florida and Texas in particular, governors there, uh, in fact, going so far uh, to uh, require to put an end to any local uh, uh, use of masks, mandates of masks. We're seeing in Florida, three, three of the biggest school districts are now defying Governor DeSantis and uh, requiring masks or you know trying to do so. And, you know, Carla, we've all covered a lot of campaigns and a lot of uh, candidacies, and it, it is so much easier when you're not the incumbent, especially during a crisis or series of crises, to kind of stand back and criticize. But if one of these folks becomes governor, they're going to have to make some very difficult choices, which they have the luxury right now of just, you know, criticizing what's happening as opposed to really offering concrete, uh, workable solutions and alternatives. Yeah, and I think, uh, Scott, if you look on social media, this is where uh, some of the Republicans' stances on this, rolling back vaccines, rolling back mask mandates, has real concern among Californians. And the polls show this too. Most Californians support the idea of uh, mask mandates and vaccine mandates at this point. They like the fact that California's numbers have been kept low compared to states where, like, Florida, Texas, Alabama, where where the uh, ICU beds are running out. So yeah, as this resurgence of the Delta variant continues here in California, I mean, this is number this is the number one issue, and it's clear that that the Newsom campaign has made this the number one issue. What will a Republican governor do when it comes to the uh, the COVID mandates? How is the state going to go backwards? And that is what they're playing on their their working that issue big time, uh, because I think it is the number one issue before California right now. 
Well, right, which speaks to another uh, issue, which we also saw an actual lawsuit filed this week challenging the legality of this recall. Because to your point, Carla, I mean, theoretically, if 50 plus 1 percent of voters agree to the recall, then you could have a replacement um, candidate win, you know, with far fewer votes than that. Well, and let's make be clear. If Gavin Newsom were running one-on-one against Larry Elder, John Cox, Kevin, he's already run once one-on-one against Cox, there's just no way. This would be. This is really the only way, I think, that any of these folks can get elected statewide. And Carl, I don't know how, I know that your, uh, your colleague, uh, Jeremy, uh, wrote about the lawsuit. Is there any sense that this thing has got legs between now? It seems hard to believe, given that the ballot's already out. It does seem hard to believe, although, you know, uh, you see Berkeley Dean of the Law School, uh, Edward Chemerinsky, has said this is possibly an unconstitutional procedure that's going forward with the recall. Uh, so so but yes, but it is gone forward. And at this point, you're, you're correct. I, I, you know, remember that Gavin Newsom won his seat in 2018 with a landslide, two thirds of the voters. That was the biggest um, a margin, I think, since the 1950s in, in California. I mean, and now two years later, it's poten- potentially that a, a gubernatorial candidate could win with maybe 20 percent of the vote. I think you will see you've already seen calls for legislative reform that it will not allow this to, this kind of recall to happen again in California. But the fact is, uh, you know, California is stuck with it now. And yeah, there, if, if there is a Governor Larry Elder, we're going to see, I think, a lot of lawsuits, a lot of uh, disarray in Sacramento, more than normal, Katie. <laughs> Am I correct? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you're looking forward to that. <laughs> I don't, you know, the other thing with cap, the legislature is kind of going back into its cocoon because they keep having more cases of COVID there. So I, I don't know, COVID, Larry Elder, Sacramento. It'll it's time be for another vacation. You know what? I was there. We, Carla and I were both there for Arnold. It, it'll be it'll be entertaining, if nothing else. What does my husband always say? May you live in interesting times. Um, yes. That's a Chinese but, curse. But by this the way. does, oh, yeah. And I think we've been living in the past few years. Um, so. This does bring up, though, the question I'm hearing the most from Democrats, which is, how do I fill out this ballot? What do I do? A lot of questions about, like, you know, because the Newsom campaign is really messaging this idea about no on the recall, but don't pick a second candidate. Um, And I mean, Katie, we were on a forum this week and we had a lady call in and say, oh, well, I wrote in Gavin Newsom. That's not actually going to help Gavin Newsom, right? (laughs) Literally, as we are taping this show, I just got a message from a friend saying, uh, who do I vote for in the who I should say this friend is a Democrat. They're voting no against the the recall. But then who do I vote for in the second question? We can't Uh, give you that answer. That is not up for me to decide. We can say don't write in Gavin Newsom. (laughs) Yeah, we don't write in Gavin Newsom. But it's not going to be. But I just I just say that to share that I think a lot of as you mentioned, Marisa, people are wondering like, okay, what? And as we've said before, it it kind of the message to not vote for anyone, which is what Gavin Newsom is is telling people to do, just goes against what you what we've all been taught about a ballot. You know, I remember we had elections in California where the ballot was so long, they were urging you, remember to flip it over, remember to flip it over, don't forget the stuff, don't leave anything out. And now they're like, don't answer the second question. At least Gavin Newsom supporters are like that. So it's a it's a confusing situation. It is confusing. And of course, you know, we, we've talked a little bit about 2003 when Gray Davis was recalled. We had him on forum yesterday. And of course, his or the lieutenant governor, uh, Cruz Bustamante, jumped in and said, vote no on the recall. But yes, on Bustamante, that didn't really work terribly well. But Carla, I think a lot of Democrats are very 
frustrated, you know, as Katie su- suggested, and as that caller, like, what do I do? I don't, you know, it's almost against their instincts to not vote for, like, why throw away your shot, so to speak, right? Exactly. I, I listen. I'm getting the same calls from people, and I think, in some respects, the Newsom team may have miscalculated mm-hmm. um, the voters' understanding or, or confusion on this. Look, Gavin Newsom has $45 million in his bank account, in his campaign account, but it's a short runway to to educate voters. This election is in, is in uh, September. It's not in November. They don't have the time to educate voters on how to fill this ballot out. So uh, Willie Brown had recently told me he was at a Chinatown event where the, the folks were saying, hey, we're going to vote yes on the recall to save <laughs> Gavin Newsom. And he's like, no, you can't. So, I mean, yes, that, it's confusing. that's right. They have to get out the fact that they want Democrats, want people to vote no and, and leave the second thing blank. Many Democrats are questioning that one because they're saying, look, um, this is too close the Democrats can't take a chance of a Governor Larry Elder. There is a big difference between some of these well, uh, the Republican candidates, yeah. and maybe they should put in a second uh, uh, choice there. And I mean, I think it's important to say, not just for Democrats, for our large number of no party preference voters, um, you know, right. there's, a, there's a lot to be upset about in this state, and voters have the right to weigh in under our system. And I think that, you know, it isn't, I understand from a strategic perspective why. The Democrats thought that that was the best message, but I think what you're seeing from voters is this is this feeling. Well, I want to I want to have a say if we do have a new governor, and I think that that's a natural inclination because the truth is, if you sit that out, then you don't get to choose like where you know influence that. But I guess part. the question too is like if you don't you look at that list of 46 or whatever I think I think it's 45 now that Doug Ossie's out, but you know, and you don't like any of them, you know, why should you vote for somebody that yeah. you don't want to be governor? Well, I will say if you want to know more about all those candidates, check out kqed.org slash recall. We have a whole voter guide up there. Guy Marzoretti, our producer, uh, spearheaded that along with our product team. And it is, um, it's got a lot of information in there. And I do want to talk briefly. We only have a few minutes left. But Katie, you're from San Diego, as am I. Former Mayor Kevin Faulkner is, you know, we, we talked about him a little earlier. I mean, do you think he's trying to kind of thread that needle with a more moderate path? Because you do have Larry Elder out here, you know, pretty libertarian leaning conservative um kevin kiley i think is is on is on the right of faulkner is is there a path for him i mean i think that's what he is trying to carve out for himself um i have covered kevin faulkner since his days back on the city council i began covering him in 2009 um and he was even then was always sort of seen as the moderate on uh, the moderate Republican on the city council in California, because even then San Diego had been a traditionally Republican city, but it was already trending. You know, the writing was on the wall that it was trending more democratic. And so he had taken a more moderate stance, a moderate on, you know, social issues, things like that. Um, I, there are people down in San Diego who don't believe his record uh, as mayor. It was very good. There's a lot of um, financial scandals that he sort of left behind. There was a whole um, problem with a hepatitis A outbreak among the unhoused population that actually resulted in a lot and several people dying. And as 
mayor. He kind of like, you know, bore the brunt of responsibility for that. Um, And of course, there's that picture of him with Donald Trump in the Oval Office. And so that certainly makes makes it harder to view yourself, you know, paint yourself as a moderate. Yeah, that really is. That was a bit of a head scratcher for people who might have been inclined to vote for him if they were, you know, more moderate Republicans. I think there's still some of those out there. But I want to before we uh, before we say goodbye, we got a couple more minutes. But Carla, you uh, I think it was your lunch with uh, Willie Brown that you just uh, referred to and wrote about recently didn't he also say or say that about the Jerry Brown needs to get more involved I mean he has now you know they notoriously don't have a great relationship Gavin Newsom and Jerry Brown uh, frenemies I guess you could call them um, he's kind of put his toe in the water he came out uh, tweeted and was on CNN saying vote no on the recall but you know I'm, I'm guessing they'd love him to write to do an ad for uh, for Gavin Newsom Yes, I, and I think, look, I think uh, many of the Democrats would like to see the big guns come out uh, and, and do ads and even come out and campaign. Gavin Newsom has said he expects maybe Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, although given what's going on in Washington, we don't know if we see that. But but Jerry uh, Brown, yes. I mean, look, at this is a four time. Uh, right. Hey, you governor. know what, Carla, I don't want to cut you off, but we just saw yeah. on the Twitter, Larry Elder has responds to the allegations in your Politico story. I believe he told this to Fox LA uh, anchor Alex Michelson because he tweeted it. Quote, I have never brandished a gun at anyone. I grew up in South Central. I know exactly how destructive this type of behavior is. It's not me. And everyone who knows me knows it's not me. These are salacious allegations. Well, the oh, woman who, that woman who said it knows him. So. <laughs> um, so uh, we we do have that response, although the tweet has now been deleted. Okay, so <laughs> it's a roller coaster in this recall election. It is hard to know where we are going. Screenshot. <laughs> what is happening? Uh, All right, thirty seconds machine. or so left, y'all. Carla, what are you watching for in the coming days? <laughs> I mean, certainly I'm watching the new campaign <laughs> to do some campaign and whether they can energize their voters. That is the big issue. Which side is more energized? Republicans definitely seem to uh, think that they have the uh, energy going on there. And I think Democrats are nervous about it. That's what we'll be watching. OK, it's now back up there. And there's a second tweet <laughs> from Alex saying also, quote, Larry Elder, people don't get into public life precisely because of this type of politics of personal destruction. I'm not going to dignify with this with a response. All right, Carla, I guess he got the last word. Uh, never argue with anybody um, who buys ink by the barrel uh, or, or digital digitally. All right. Thank you so much, Katie or of KQED. Thanks, Carla guys. Marinucci of Politico. Thanks to you both. Okay, thanks. Thanks, guys. That's going to do it for this edition of Political Breakdown, a roller coaster production of KQED Public Radio. Whoa. Our producer is Guy Marzarati, our engineer, the one and only Katie McMurrin. KQED's team includes Holly Kernan, Ethan Tovin Lindsay, Vinnie Tong, Otis Taylor Jr., Julia Chan, and Erica Aguilar. I'm Scott Schaefer. Follow me on Twitter. I'm at Scott Schaefer. And I'm Marisa Lagos. Don't forget about that voter guide, kqed.org slash recall. I'm at M. Lagos on Twitter. Thanks for listening. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading!
Hi there, I'm Randa Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.